This is the South Bend Beat Podcast, presented by Alpha Dog Agency. Welcome to my city, bring you to my city, let you ride around my city, I can show you around my city. Welcome to my city, bring you to my city, I can show you around my city, it's my city. What's up and welcome to another episode of South Bend Beat. This week we have on Jonathan McKinnis. Jonathan is a senior mortgage consultant at Hallmark Home Mortgage in Mishawaka. He was a 2017 Greater South Bend Mishawaka Association of Realtors Affiliate of the Year. He was a 2018 inductee into the 40 Under 40 class and he is just an all-around good dude. Um, this episode ended up being pretty Tony Robbins, like, uh, Jonathan has a lot of great advice, a lot of actionable steps on how to improve your life, both personally and professionally. And, uh, we had a little bit of fun at the end. So here's Jonathan. Enjoy. What's up, Jonathan? How you doing? Doing well. How about you? Doing pretty well. We're, uh, so we're recording kind of the day before, um, it gets like what's supposed to be like negative fifteen is the high tomorrow. Yeah, it's gonna like, be the frozen tundra here. So <laughs> it breaks a record from eighteen ninety nine. I saw for the coldest high. I don't think we're gonna get the lowest low, but we will get the lowest high if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we're uh, we're obviously here uh, downtown recording, and one thing I wanted to jump right in with you. Um, I think you're the best at what you do from a marketing standpoint. Thank You've you. taken kind of a vertical that's kind of been the same old same old for a while mm-hmm. in the way of doing things and you've completely switched it up um, what's your process for either workshopping new things when it comes to marketing or trying those out and then seeing what's successful and what to stick with well I think right now our biggest um, effort is making sure that we've got a good social media presence so when it comes to marketing I now I think of you know what are the social media avenues that we should be looking at um, and I notice in my industry I'm in the mortgage industry um, I feel like a lot of people are afraid to take action. And so when I know something is, is a pretty good idea uh, and I know that I'm able to do it, I'm going to take, I'm going to try to take action on that as opposed to overanalyzing it. And so for me, uh, you know, uh, we'll take one thing that I err on the side of, of, of doing more of is video and obviously doing some podcasting myself. And so I want to do, what can I do? Um, as a branch and to support the other people in my branch, that's going to be an influential platform for us. And we feel like, um, you know, video and uh, podcasting is, is, are two of those things, you know? And we, so my wife and I went through you for our home loan also. And, uh, it's just so many times over the next couple of years. And even now, you know, we'll get either a piece of marketing from you or a follow up. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, man, that guy does it right. And I think the, the message and the kind of narrative you get when you go around town, anyone that knows you is just like your kindness. Uh, I mean, people, say pretty much unanimously one of the nicest people I've ever met that doesn't always mix with business but you've made it work how does kind of like just the baseline just kindness across the board 24 7 how does that fit into your business side of things man that's a that's a really good question and I didn't even think about that with your first question but um, it isn't just social media it's all about who you are you know it's funny I was at a um, I was in a meeting where it was a coach who was kind of coaching managers on how can you be a better leader And he was saying that most people, you know, they don't want to just work for a company. They work for the manager. They work for the person. And uh, for me, I've always wanted to make sure that I was genuine 
and, um, and, and I did things the right way. And so I know, I, I know when I'm dealing with the people that work for me or I'm dealing with a customer or I'm dealing with a, a business partner, a real estate agent, as an example, um, I know that my, uh, my motives are pure. And so if people feel like, you know, Jonathan's just a good guy, he's got a, um, a good, you know, attitude, he's always positive. Um, it, it's, it's because I know when I go to bed at night that regardless of who I'm talking to, whether they're, you know, somebody that can do something for me or not, I want to make sure that my interactions with them are, are pure. And so I think that just boils down to who I am and how I was raised. Um, and, um, and, and I don't know if that's answering the question, but I think um, when it comes to marketing and it comes to business, um, I don't always get the business. I don't always win the deal. Um, and, and, and it hurts because I am pretty competitive as a person <laughs> because I, I know that I feel like when somebody doesn't choose me as uh, their loan officer, as an example, that I, I, I feel in my heart to hearts that they're not making the best decision because I know that I'm going to try to look out for their best interest. And, um, and I don't know, I guess it just comes out that way and people hopefully see the genuine side of me and, um, and it's been, it's worked, you know, just being who I am, you know, it's, it's really so, part of it. So the kindness isn't necessarily something that's intentional waking up every day. It's just, I'm going to be very, very kind all day. It's just more so who you are. And then you try not to deviate too much from it on the business side. You just try to stay true to who you are. Yeah. Well, I mean, I would say that I still, I think we all have to wake up and kind of change our attitudes sometimes. Um, I've got days where just, you know, I just may just be in a slump and, and we get even weeks like that. And the weather sometimes will make that, make us feel that way. And, um, when I wake up, I do, I mean, I, I believe in prayer and positive affirmations and I believe in feeding our minds positive things. I think if I didn't do that, if I didn't read, um, I'm, I, I'm a Christian. So, I mean, I read the word and, and I believe if I don't feed myself that, if I don't feed myself positive things, then I probably would have a worse attitude. And my wife will tell you, I mean, uh, there are days where, you know, sometimes the people that are closest to you, you're not the <laughs> nicest to, you know? And so I'm not perfect by any means, but, um, but, um, so I guess to answer your question, yes, I do, um, uh, have to sometimes reprogram my mind for that day. Um, but for the most part, um, it is who I am, you know? So, and a couple of weeks ago we had on, um, Steve Smith and Vanessa Corbin Smith yeah. and Steve talked about how he uses, um, either mentors or leaders in his life. Is that something you also used to? I do. Um, okay. I make sure that I have people that, you know, there's a, uh, I think it's Jim Rohn. I think it was Jim Rohn that said, you know, you need to be very careful who you ha put around your table, who, who are your influencers, who's like your board of directors right. for the most part. And, um, and I make sure that the people that are around my table are people that's going to uh, push me to do better. And so it could be people that are my peers, but it could also be people that are more of mentors in my life as well. Uh, also, I try to make sure that there's people in my table that I can influence as well. And so um, I, I try to not um, put myself in a situation where my influencers or the voices that I'm hearing are always going to be, you know, negativity or going to be people that are trying to pull me down to a lower level. And so I'm very conscious of that. I do have a quasi coaching program that I'm in with, with mortgages mm -hmm. in the mortgage business. But more than that, I mean, I, I think spiritual mentors are more, are, are more heavily influential in my life because that's how I have a better attitude. Uh, a mortgage coach uh, can help me when it comes to the business side and they'll help me with my positive attitude and whatnot. But my life is so much to me, um, so much more important than just doing another mortgage. It's, you know, what is my why? And, and I think I'm um, having a mentor that will, help you drill deeper into your why as opposed to just what you're doing your career um, is going to help your career 
naturally because you're think you're focusing on that why. I think that goes back to you know why is your how do you get business? Well, because I think my why is deeper than just doing a mortgage. My why is more um, you know, eternal. My why is more um, uh, uh, more impactful than just a transaction. You know. Right. So to jump back in then to your marketing a little bit. Yeah. Do you? Do you use that circle to make marketing decisions? Um, you always seem to be ahead of the curve when it comes to marketing. Um, you're kind of jumping into the next big thing a little bit before everybody else. Mm -hmm. Is that just through um, lots of research, lots of trial and error? Is that group influencing you at all? Uh, how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so um, for actually, it's, it's kind of cool. The What I'm doing now is in from a, a marketing kind of community it, perspective i am trying to connect with businesses and uh, we started a page called michiana living tv where uh, we go out and we interview businesses and we just try to highlight the local businesses we feel like um one of the the patterns that we're seeing in the mortgage business when you do research is that most people are are gravitating toward that local um that local advisor as opposed to just um the we're trying to differentiate ourselves from the big box mortgage companies like the Quicken Loans of the world, the online right. presence. We still want to have an online presence, but we know that um, most home buyers want somebody that they can see, that they know they're a part of their community. And so for us, we're thinking, what can we do to connect with the community in a better way? Um, and so we're like, let's just, let's highlight and support the local businesses in the community. So we created a page that's not mortgage related. It's just Michiana Living TV. It doesn't say Jonathan McKinnis, Hallmark Home Mortgage. It just, it talks strictly about the community. And then naturally people get to know us more. We connect more with people in the community. So how did that come up with that? It was actually someone from our company in our marketing department that said, hey, you know what? We think that this is something that's a good idea. We were seeing this in other markets. Would you be willing to implement it? And I said, well, it might be difficult because we get busy but let's do it. Let's take action. And so that's what we did. So it's really some of the, the brains within the company that have some ideas and I'm just willing to implement them. I think a lot of people, you can go to coaching after coaching. You can go to these great um, conferences, get all these ideas from Gary Vee and everybody else, but most people aren't going to implement it. Right. And so you can have a silver bullet and you can share the secret to so many people, but most people won't do it. And so that's why you can share. That's why there's so many success books written that are repeating themselves over and over again. Why is it? It's because the people can read a hundred books and yet they still never implement. And so for me, I just take the ideas that people tell me and I don't always come up with them and I just am willing to take action on them. And yeah. I imagine with you, it's, um, it, no idea too stupid, nothing worth not bringing up. If you're inside the walls of your building, yeah. you have an idea, it's worth hearing. Yeah, and it sounds like that's worked out for you a few times to where maybe unlikely sources you get these ideas and then it's just well are you going to work enough to put it put it in exactly and so I, i'm totally of that school of thought i think you know what let's let's brainstorm let's get some ideas out there and you know what there's some ideas that um that they're not they're nowhere near a, a new idea as an example writing thank you notes i'm telling you what it's another Jim Rohn quote. He says, the things that are easy to do are also easy to neglect or easy not to do. And so um, one of the things that I tell people is, you know what, write a thank you note to people. They don't do that anymore. I know I focus a lot on social media, video and things, but don't neglect some of the things that are old school tactics that are going to show people how much you care. And uh, a lot of times we don't do that. Well, what do we do when it comes to people's birthdays nowadays? You see it on Facebook and right. then you send them a Facebook uh, message. Well, what if you took that Facebook message as a reminder to give them a call? as opposed to just doing a Facebook message. Which you did. 
Exactly. Just last December, <laughs> <Right>? yeah. <laughs> so, so that's something that, um, you know, I try to harp on uh, is don't neglect those easy things, but also don't be afraid of trying to n- do new things as well at the same time, you know. So for a typical day for you, mm-hmm. I want to kind of lean into that a little bit. Um, are they going to be different? Uh, is it going to be pretty boilerplate? Kind of take our listeners through um, what you do when you arrive to work and kind of yeah. all the way up until when you leave. So um, I am big into having a morning routine. And yeah. so for me, um, my goal, actually my one word for the year is uh, rise. And that's to rise earlier and to then hopefully um, influence a rising or a growth in my in my day, in my life. And um, so it's a simple word, but um, I use that as my, my word because I've neglected getting up as early as I wanted to. So I try to get up, you know, between 4.30 and 5. Whoa. And then when I, <laughs> yeah, well, this morning I didn't get up as early, so kids didn't have school. So um, it's not every day, but uh, uh, between 4.35 and then um, have a routine on, you know, exercise, uh, reading, uh, prayer, um, certain affirmations, and then just making sure that I get my mind right in the morning. So um, when I start the day off right, I believe that it helps me f- for the rest of the day. And then I get into the office after I take the kids to school, um, try to be in by 8.30 for a team meeting. So I try to um, every morning or the majority of the week the, of a five-day week have a our team meeting with just my specific team, not my whole branch, just the people that's on my team. Um, at 8.30, just kind of go over any uh, bottlenecks, any issues, any questions, make sure that we're all kind of got our plan in place for the day. And then um, it depends on the day. So then uh, Monday, we have, I have a theme for the day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, there's different themes that I have. Love and it. so uh, how I, and, and I don't always stick to it, believe me, I'm human, I get distracted. And But I feel like through the coaching program that I've been in, uh, one of the things they said is that you need to combat the distractions. And how you do that is, is if you have a theme for your day, when it comes to a money producing activity or a, a valuable activity, not just the stupid things that sometimes just we look back at our day and we're like, man, I didn't get anything accomplished. Mm-hmm. If you had a theme for the day, though, you can get distracted and then you go back to your theme. So as an example, on Mondays, when I get in uh, in the morning, I want to make sure that I am um, focused on some of my realtor relationships because I a lot of my business comes from developing good relationships with real estate agents. Well, I need to make sure that I'm focusing some way, somehow on the real estate agent relationships on Mondays. On Tuesdays, we go through any loans that we're working on, and that's our follow-up days on those loans. So giving updates, status updates. On Wednesdays, if we have any buyers that we're looking at homes they haven't found a house yet, uh, that's our follow-up day for those that haven't found a house yet. So we're saying, hey, how's the house search going? Things like that. So if we get distracted as a team, we always go back to the theme. So don't forget the theme of that day, and then it helps you sort of accomplish that main goal. And um, you don't feel as frustrated at the end of the day. So that's kind of how our days work. That's yeah. awesome. So that that morning routine, I mean, now it's getting a little bit more popular with people like you mentioned, Gary V, mm-hmm. Tim Ferriss, Jocko, wanting to wake up early mm-hmm. and um, kind of handle the beginning of the day correctly. Mm-hmm. Can you go into a little bit more detail of what like that 4.30 to, I guess, what, 7.30, 8 o'clock window for you looks like? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, when I wake up, uh, it, there's a book called The Miracle Morning written by Hal Elrod. Okay. And that's something that kind of pushed me into getting up earlier. But um, in the morning, I, um, I, w- one thing that really helps me, and I've, I mentioned this on one of my podcasts before, but when you wake up, you wash your face, you brush your teeth right away. The reason why you do that is because it wakes you up quicker. Okay. Some people, they'll get out of bed, they don't do that, and then they'll kind of stroll downstairs or wherever your bedroom is going and, and you know, kind of lingering around, and then you don't really wake up. And so if you brush your teeth, wash your face, and then have a big glass of water in the morning, it's so simple, but if somebody just implements that, it wakes you up quicker. 
and then you're kind of more peppy in the morning. So it's easier for you to kind of get it started in the day. So I do that. And then right after that, I will go into my, um, uh, my prayer. And so I'll get into affirmations and prayer and that'll be, could be 20 minutes, half an hour. And then I'll get into, um, depending, I sometimes mix it up a little bit cause it does get stale. So sometimes I'll work out right after that. Other times I will, um, I'll read after that. And then, so if I do one of those things after the, um, the, uh, the prayer, then normally that takes me close to about, um, and then I'll journal. So I'm, I'm trying to recenter myself on journaling as well. So that'll, that'll take me right to about, um, six thirty, seven o'clock. And then I'll normally get ready for the day. And then I'll be downstairs with my kids, have breakfast, with my wife and kids. And then I'll take my kids to school at seven 30. So we leave the house at between seven 30, seven 40. And so sometimes I'll be reading for an hour. Sometimes I might be reading for, you know, 20 minutes. So it just depends on the day. I'm not as structured as some people. Some people are like structured 20 minutes here, 20 minutes right. for this, 20 minutes. I don't do that. I just kind of let the day flow a little bit, but I try to get those things in, in the morning. And when I run, I, I have a treadmill in my house, or if it's nice outside, I'll run outside and I work out at home. I don't go to a gym. I feel like uh, maybe I could, but uh, for me, uh, it, it didn't work because you know, I'm wasting time driving and, uh, and I felt like it was easier for me just to do it at home. So that helps me. So a couple follow-up questions. One aspect that I struggle with, how, how much time passes between alarm going off and your vertical on your feet? Yeah. Good, good question. So uh, that was my issue last year's because I was I, my alarm would always go off around 4:30, but I would be pressing snooze normally till about five ish, and so then I'd be getting up between five five fifteen, and so now I'm maybe pressing snooze once instead of twice or okay. three times, and uh, sometimes you know on your phone you can actually turn it off accidentally and it's not a snooze, and then you end up sleeping in a little bit longer, mm-hmm. and so um, I have I've tried tactics where I'll put my phone or I'll put my alarm clock in the bathroom or away from my my um, bed, but um, um, I found that, you know, I, I'm pretty good as long as I've made up my mind. And so, um, I probably press news once still, you know, I'd say so it's like a and seven it's, minutes. There's no like uh, messing around on your phone while you're still in bed. It's you're right. Um, I've had, I'm not as disciplined, um, as some, um, but sometimes I'll get on my phone and I'll pull up, um, an app, like a Bible app, or, mm-hmm. um, I will sometimes, you know, which regretfully I'll do, but I'll sometimes go and write into a social media app, which I don't like to do that. Um, some people, they don't even look at their phone until they're, you know, getting into the, you know, after their shower and after breakfast. But I still use my phone for a lot of the routine that I have in the morning. And, and that is the one thing that I probably could change because when you get on your phone, there's still like a hundred different, um, issues that, uh, and distractions that can get to you and, and they still get to me, you know, so I'll still sometimes check my email when I get up. That was my next question. I'll still like, check my do Facebook. Do you check for like and, fires in the emails? I do. Yeah. I sometimes do that, but, um, I found that when I don't do that, I have a more fruitful morning. Um, and so it's just trial and error. It's me just not being perfect. And so I'm still not there yet, you know? So do you have a, uh, specific journal or is it just pen to paper? It's pen to paper. Yeah. I just got my own, um, just a small, um, pocket journal that I use. And, um, what I've done now is uh, I try to have certain specific things that I'm trying to journal. So at least three times a week, I try to put, um, gratitudes for my wife. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a guy that came to, um, you might've heard of Darren Hardy. He's a, he wrote the book, the compound effect. And I'm actually finishing that up right now. But um, he uh, said that there was a guy that he was friends with that was complaining about his marriage. And he was, and, and my marriage is great. I mean, I'm not complaining about it. But um, he says, you know, uh, instead of uh, complaining about it, go ahead and start writing gratitudes every um, every morning about your wife, your marriage, or about whatever it is that you're maybe complaining about. And um, and so for me, 
Um, not that I'm complaining about it, but I just said, you know what? I, I want to make sure that I'm always putting at the forefront of my mind how grateful I am for my wife. And so I've got three days a week. I'm journaling just certain gratitudes from maybe the day before, a couple of days before on some of the things I'm thankful for on her. And then I'll add other things, you know, certain notes and whatnot. And um, so I try to have a little bit more specifics with my uh, journaling as well. And speaking about your wife, your father also, mm-hmm. um, how do you go about balancing business with family life? I'm especially kind of now you're you're ahead of the empire of, of your empire. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a lot of stuff to balance at work. Mm-hmm. How did you then balance that with family life, um, making sure you're getting enough time at home? Um, we've had people like Steve a couple weeks ago mentioned that when he hits 6 o'clock p.m., it's off. And if you need them, it can wait until tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Do you have any rules like that or any anything that you do intentionally? Yes, I do have some intentional rules, but I will say, and I'll be the first to tell you that it, I'm not perfect on that. Because one of the things that I think my biggest struggle in life is making sure that I'm balancing life or my uh, family with business. And it's very easy for me because I, I hate the word driven, but I feel like sometimes I'm driven. And, and sometimes driven is a bad word because it drives you um, into an, almost an imbalanced or a not healthy state. And so I sometimes get driven about making sure that I'm doing everything that I need to do to accomplish the tasks or the goals that I have. And, and, and uh, sometimes I neglect other things. And so I'll be the first to tell you that I'm not the best at balance. However, um, I have intentionally made sure that um, every other Friday that I'm going out to breakfast with my wife. Um, okay. And so I've got an, with my wife and daughter, Maya, she's not in school yet. So we've got breakfast. Uh, actually, this Friday is going to be a breakfast uh, date. And then um, my... Uh, you know, social media shut off and everything is bef- uh, right at uh, 8 p.m. or sooner. And so, I mean, that doesn't sound like uh, a lot or eat, uh, you're like, oh, that seems like that'd be easy. Surprisingly, a lot of people like are, are on social media a lot after eight o'clock because you're sitting down lounging. And uh, one of the things that I don't do is I, I rarely watch television. And so um, I normally read or I'm with my family a lot. And because of that, it, um, my phone can become a crutch because you're not watching much TV or anything. And so then you get on your phone and you're looking at social media. And so we made an agreement where um, I'm keeping that uh, away from me after 8 p.m. Am I doing it perfectly 100% of the time? No. Uh, but that is my intentional goal, you know. Love it. So let's transition to um, talk about more South Bend in general. Okay. Have you seen... Um, kind of like an uptick, I guess, when people looking either for first-time homes, homes, homes. Period. Mm-hmm. I mean, does it seem to be getting busier over the past couple of years? Uh, well, I'd say last year was a strange year. It was definitely a seller's market, uh, which means there were um, less inventory. There was more buyers, and that means sellers were trying to hopefully negotiate a better deal for themselves as opposed to buyers. Now, um, it's definitely interest rates have stayed very, fairly low. Uh, We've seen a a trend that they've been trending a little bit higher, but they're still historically low. And so um, that's, hasn't been a major issue. Inflation's, you know, pretty tame right now, which means rates are probably going to stay fairly low, but they're starting to trend a little higher. So um, it has been a pretty good market. It's been weird though. It's been hard to predict because of, um, because of the way the inventory has been. And so I think going forward in 2019, um, it's going to be a little bit more of a balanced market with regard to, um, you know, more buyers and and more listings. But I think it's going to be very similar to last year. Um, I would look at it on more of a quarterly or monthly basis. And I'll just tell you that we had a very slow um, uh, end of the year. I think it was a very slow end of the year in in our area. 
um, at 2018, but I've been seeing a lot more buyers getting pre-approved right now. And so I always look at how many pre-approvals, how many credit pulls have I had. And so we're seeing a lot of activity on credit pulls and, and buyers being pre-approved. So I, I'm very hopeful that we're going to have a good, uh, you know, end of the first quarter and a good spring. I think it's going to be a pretty good year. I, I don't think it's going to be much different than what it was last year, though. I think it's going to be very similar when it comes to the units and how many families served in the, in our market. Now for, um, let's talk first time home buyers a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, What's an aspect, and I and I assume it's usually for first-time home buyers, probably either younger people, younger mm-hmm. couples, maybe trying to get out of the apartment life. Mm-hmm. Um, for any of them that are listening, what's an aspect that's usually overlooked on their end going into it that would be good for them to be aware of? Yeah, I think there's uh, two things. Uh, well, I mean, there's three things that we look at. We look at credit, income, and employment, and we look at assets or money available for like a down payment. And so, uh, two I guess misconceptions of a first-time home buyer. One is that they feel like they need to have a lot of money down, um, but also some feel like they don't need to have any money. And so there's a balance there. I think that as a first-time home buyer, if I was going to give you any advice, I would say, you know, save up some money. Make sure you've got some money available for your down payment along with reserves. So have some money in the bank after you've bought your house. Don't go cash poor after you bought a house. So I think that's really important. But also know that you don't need 20% down to buy a house. Some people think you have to save up so much that you'll never be able to buy a home. We can do loans where it's 3% down only on a conventional loan. And, you know, some people do 5% down. You don't have to have 10, 15, or 20% down to qualify. So I would say get about 3 to 5% of whatever your purchase price range is going to be. And then also sock away a little extra money because you've got closing costs and you also want to make sure that you've got money left over for any incidental issues like repairs after you've moved into your house. So that's number one. Number two, it's going to be the... Um, um, the income. So debt to income ratio. So looking at your debts, making sure that you aren't uh, at a point where you've got so much non-housing expenses that it's going to minimize what house you can qualify for. And so there are some people that go into a transaction where they've got a car payment that's you know $600 a month or $700 a month. I mean, that's a house payment for many people. Right. And so just be very careful on, on managing your non-housing debts as well. If you keep those low, then you'll be surprised. A lot of people can qualify for homes where they didn't think they could. You know, So that's important for me. And speaking on both sides, both of the, the home buyer side and your side, um, What's maybe one point each that through the process almost always ends up being a little frustrating, either for, for them on or on your end? And uh, if possible, what steps can be done to kind of minimize that frustration? Yeah, I'd say uh, one of the frustrations is documenting the funds for the down payment. And so if you've got a buyer, uh, if I've got a buyer that has money saved up at home, as an example, and they're like, okay, I'm going to put all this money in the bank, and now I'm going to give them the bank statement. We're going to question that. So large deposits that are undocumentable, that's a topic of frustration for some people. So just making sure that the money that's going into your bank is documentable funds. Um, so that's probably a big one. And uh, number two is just knowing that the, um, the lender will ask for additional conditions. And so going into the transaction – if you got a lender, and now I, we pride ourselves on communication, making sure that buyers know what's going to happen and educating them. Um, but there's a lot of lenders that they may not give you those, those updates or give you education before you buy a home. So you feel like, I've given you all my documents, and now you're asking me for something else. Well, that's what lenders tend to do because how a process works is you give all the documents to the loan officer or the lender. You find a home, you get under contract, the lender gives it to their underwriter. The underwriter is the person who's basically the authority and gives the stamp of approval on a loan. Well, an underwriter can condition the file. So if they ask for anything that, like as an example, a letter of explanation for a large deposit or a new pay stub, 
those are normal things. So just roll with it. Don't uh, get too frustrated. Just know that the process generally has an underwriter asking for a couple more things from a buyer. As long as you know that, not a big issue, you know. And, and I also would tell them, use a real estate agent. I think a lot of buyers feel like they could do for sale by owner. They say, this is no big deal. You want to have good representation, somebody that understands contract writing, the contract law, somebody that understands the ins and outs of who should be paying what cost. Um, and there's a lot of buyers and sellers, for that matter, that uh, may feel as though they don't need a realtor to help them. But I would tell them, I know from, uh, from experience that when there's a transaction where there's no agent involved and there's one with an agent involved, the one with an agent involved almost 100% of the time is going to be more smooth than one without an agent, and it's going to make their experience that much better. And you may have even already covered the uh, answers to this next question. Um, so say either a young person or a young couple living in an apartment right now is listening to this, um, and they would like to jump into mm -hmm. buying a home. Any final pieces of advice or um, just a few thoughts on uh, why it could be advantageous for them to jump into the home buying process? Well, I would say that the interest rates are still historically low, so I would definitely make sure that they understand that, that it is a good time to purchase. I, I would tell them to get their, their ducks in a row and get that all out of the way. Um, so that's number one. Number two, I think that uh, if you're a first-time home buyer and you want to take advantage of first-time home buyer products, there are still products available. And um, as an example, there's a product that we offer called the Mortgage Credit Certificate. And so if you're a first-time buyer and your income is below a certain level, they can qualify for a tax credit up to $2,000 a year every year that they file their income tax return. So it's like free money that they get. And so that's a really cool program. So know that there are programs out there that's going to help. Um, and that's something that we offer. But it's also important for a buyer to know that there's no obligation. And so it doesn't hurt to talk to a lender. Um, because a lender's not going to force you, I mean, we wouldn't anyway, force you into trying to purchase a home or persuade you into buying a home if you're not ready and you're not wanting to do it, you're not comfortable with it. So feel, don't feel like just because you talk to a lender, now you're obligated to, to do something. Know that it's good to do the research. Know that it's good to get your ducks in a row. It's good to be educated on the programs that are available. And then you can make a decision if it's a good time for you. And that's where we kind of help with that. We just sort of educate and then let the buyers decide on uh, if they'd like to proceed or not. And if they get that pre-approval, about how long is that good for? A credit report is good for 120 days. And so if we pull credit, it's going to be good for a while. A pre-approval is good for roughly that 120-day mark. We just have to update pay stubs and bank statements every 30 days. But credit's good for a while. Okay. And one more question before we get into the fun stuff. Um, and this is the question we ask everybody. If someone wants to you know, be the next Jonathan, when, mm -hmm. and when I say that, I mean go into – a vertical that's maybe kind of been the same old for a while um, and unimaginative and do what you do and kind of disturb it a little bit, mm -hmm. take it over from a marketing perspective. What advice would you have for that person? Don't worry about the critic. That would be the Love biggest it. thing. I believe that there's a lot of critics in our life. And I know that there's people that, you know, although you said there's a lot of people that may say, Jonathan, he's such a nice dude. Um, I think there's probably some people that, I don't know, they don't like me. I don't know for one reason uh, or another. Um, but... <laughs> But you know you have to not be um, not be worried about what everybody thinks all the time. And you know I grew up, I grew up worrying a lot about what people thought. And sometimes that still kind of creeps in where you're like, oh, I wonder what you know people are going to think about that. Um, but I think if you want to take action and you want to make an impact, don't worry about what people are going to criticize you for. As long as you know you're doing it the right way, genuine, you've got high ethics, your morals are, are correct. Um, then I think that you should keep moving forward, you know. 
Love it. You want to get to uh, some fun questions? Sure. Let's do it. To start it off, um, I hear you're a licensed minister. I am. You've officiated weddings? I have. Talk about that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I never, you know, received my, my ministerial license to do weddings. It's just that it just so happens that when you are licensed, a lot of people, when they know it, they ask you to help them. So you <laughs> have some friends. Yeah. yeah, some friends and everybody that's asked me to help them with their weddings. But, yeah, I, uh, I received my ministerial license. I went to IUSB. I graduated from IUSB. Um, and it was in 2002 or three is when I actually started even attending a church. And, um, and then from there, I just felt like there was a, you know, I was leaning into that a little bit more and, 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 and I'm still, you know, obviously, uh, I have a lot of secular connections and, um, um, I, I still have my own, my own job that's outside of the ministry, outside of the church. Um, so I think at ministry itself, is more than just a license, you know, it's just being who you are and then making sure you're impacting people correctly and, and positively. Um, so whether I had a license or not, I know that I'd be kind of doing a lot of the same things. It's just now I've got a license to do weddings and things like that. And so, um, yeah, I just felt a, a calling on, on, on my life when it comes to just being a little bit deeper in, in, into, uh, the ministerial side of things. And, um, it just, kind of leads to, you know, doing funerals and doing weddings occasionally. So, <laughs> <laughs> Now, are you born and raised South Bend? Uh, I was born in North Carolina. My dad's a uh, Marine Corps, uh, retired okay. Marine Corps, and um, I was in uh, Camp Lejeune is where I was born, uh, but family's from South Bend. And so pretty much raised all my life in South Bend. I w- grew up on the west side of South Bend, went to uh, Green Elementary School when it was open, yeah. went to Wilson Elementary School when they opened, went to uh, Navarre Middle School, and uh, graduated from Washington High School. Awesome. Let's do... Um so we, we talked about what the beginning of your day looks like. Mm-hmm. What's the end of your day look like, like your last couple hours? Yes. So uh, last couple hours, I really try to be as as connected with my kids and wife as much as possible. And um, I find I do try to read sometimes in bed, but that's I, I, I find I fall asleep very quickly when I'm doing that. So most of my reading is done in the mornings, uh, but normally it's just getting the kids to bed. We try to get them to bed between 8 and 9. And, um, and just being with them and then being with my wife for about the last hour of the day and just whatever that may be, whether it's, you know, just talking or, you know, watching a show occasionally. Um, uh, but that's about it. So it's just very, I try to keep it pretty low key the the end uh, of the day. You said you don't watch TV often, mm-hmm. but do you have a favorite TV show for when you do either, either currently or all time? Oh man. Um, currently, uh, you know, the one that I tend to watch right now would probably be this is us. Okay. We, we yeah. see this is us um, often. So that's a pretty good one. And then, uh, I like some of the, just the basic reality, like cooking shows. And I, I watch, um, the, you know, HGTV stuff and the cooking show. So what's the fixer upper? I watch that occasionally yeah. with my wife, Chip so, and with Chip and Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So that's about it. But, uh, and then I like family feud too. So okay, I, yeah. I like uh, Steve Harvey, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, uh, if, if someone's looking to either, um, up their personal life, professional life. Do you have kind of like go-to or staple books that you recommend? Uh, yes. One of my books that I would say I've tried to cater most of my business around is called The Go-Giver yep. and uh, it's by Bob Berg and um, I think it's David Mann. And they've wrote, uh, actually written like three or four different versions. So they've got The Go-Giver, Go-Giver, Sell More. They've got The Go-Giver um, Leader. And, then, and I just recently read The Go-Giver Influencer. And so that's been a really good series of books for me. Um, and then I also, one of the other books is by Og Mandino called The Greatest Salesman in the World. And it's basically just uh, affirmations, so like 10 different affirmations. And that's been huge for, for me. And it's, I've shared it with a lot of people in my company as well. Do you cook? 
No, I used to yeah. work at a restaurant. So remember I told you I grew up in, on the west side. So I worked at the Volcano Restaurant by the airport. Oh, yeah, on yeah, Bennett. yeah. And so I used to be a pizza boy, and then I used to be a cook there. But really, no, my wife cooks a lot, but I yeah. don't. No, I help her occasionally. When you do have to cook, do you have a go-to dish? I'm more of a breakfast guy. So okay. if I'm ever cooking, um, I'm the guy um, in the mornings and the dad that's making the bacon, the pancakes, the French toast, the the eggs and stuff like that. You're the sitcom dad from so, every sitcom uh, yeah, Exactly. Yeah. I'm that dad right <laughs> yeah. there. <laughs> it's hard to do wrong on an egg, yeah. you know? So. so what about uh, favorite places to eat? You mentioned you have the breakfast dates every once in a while. Yeah. Um, is there a few go-tos you like to You know, in, Mi- in Mishawaka, because I live in Mishawaka now, but um, I do like to go to McAdoo's for breakfast okay. often. Um, I like them. And then, you know... I'm really liking Jesus uh, Latin Grill, and that's over in Mishawaka as well. I haven't been there. That's, they're the same owners of Corn Dance. Okay, okay, and, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. The, Corn Dance and Evil Check, Evil but Czech, yeah. Jesus is really good Latin, like good tacos, because I love Mexican food, and so that Latin cuisine is a, is a really good thing. And my wife, she's pretty picky, and so she really likes it too. So I'd say um, right now Jesus has been a go-to place for me too. Do you have any pets? We don't. My kids are asking for pets. And you know, what do they want? A cat or a dog? They want a dog. Um, they want a they don't, I don't think they want, you know, they probably would want a snake, but um, they're they, they want a dog. My my see, here's the cool thing though my parents have a couple cats, mm-hmm. and my in laws have uh, three dogs, they're all chihuahuas. My parents <laughs> and, had a chihuahua they, too, yeah. And so, my kids kind of get their fill of pets with the uh, the grandparents. And so right now we're um, at a stage where we don't have any. So we'll see if we need to get any later in life here, but not, not so far, no. What's the uh, best vacation you've ever had? Oh, uh, you know what? We um, we went to Hawaii. So there's a resort in um, Hawaii called Alani. It's a Disney resort. And so I went there. I took uh, when my two kids, my daughter wasn't born yet. So we went there and they lo- we loved Hawaii. Uh, the, the time change was a tough thing, though. And so I'd say Hawaii was number one. But we actually just as a family went to Mexico uh, for the first time. The kids went to Mexico, and it's so cool because it's only like a four-hour flight, and it's the weather was beautiful. And so we were in um, uh, where were we at? We were in um, Riviera Maya okay. is where we went. So that was a really cool place too. So, yeah. Are you a sports fan at all? I love college football, so I'm more yeah. of a college Notre Dame college football fan. That's probably my my go-to sport. Yeah. Clemson game wasn't a great time. Man, you know, I was pretty disappointed. I was hoping they'd have a little bit of a better showing. But when I saw that Clemson beat Alabama, I was like, Notre you know Dame what? played them closer. Yeah, Notre Dame played them closer, you know. <laughs> By a point. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, I didn't I think Clemson was, was that good. They were they, they were excellent. Man, they're man. good. They were good. So that's uh they're gonna have some a few years of probably some dominance with their quarterback. As yeah, well, I think so. next couple of years they'll probably just yeah. do it again. So yeah. All right. So um last lightning round question here. Ever right. been stuck on an elevator? No. Never. Never. You're grinning like you've had a close call no. or something. <laughs> I'm just trying to think. I don't think I've been stuck. No, and nothing that really that's really impacted my life. <laughs> <laughs> Would you be cool about it if you did get stuck? You wouldn't really care. Um, you know, I always think if uh, if I was stuck on an elevator, I would try to be like you know um, Bruce Willis, trying yeah. to take the the roof off and try to get out. But uh, yeah, I've always uh, ran those things through my mind. You know, but uh, I, I think I'd be okay for a little while. <laughs> so, so are you the guy when you get on a plane, you look around like if this thing goes down and you're assigning roles to people? on a deserted yeah. island i have i always i do at, that too I, yeah. I always look at the guy that's by the uh, the wing you yeah, know where the yeah, door is yeah. i'm like there's no way this guy's gonna be able to lead us <laughs> on this plane <laughs> sir can i switch seats with you yeah. <laughs> all right all right so let's uh i want to get some plugs here because people that uh 
people that listen to this, I mean, it may confuse you for Tony Robbins. Pretty inspirational. Yeah, right. How, so. Tell them where they can find you, either on social, website, and also plug uh, your podcast that you have going now. Yes, so my podcast that I've got, that I just started, is called Purpose and Performance. And I'm actually going to be recording another uh uh, another audio here pretty soon, but Purpose and Performance Podcast, you can find it on Podbean, um, iTunes, and Google Play. So it's there. And then, um, so that's just a, a to me, a, a place for me just to share my heart a little bit more. That's all. So nothing major there. But if you find me on Facebook, I'm, I'm more active on Facebook, I'd say. You can look at my team, the Jonathan McKinnis team on Facebook, or just look up Jonathan McKinnis, um, my personal page. Um, when it comes to our site, go to hallmarkhomemortgage.com and you can look up Jonathan if you're in, in interested in the mortgage side of things. And then um, the church that I attend is Christ Temple Apostolic Church in South Bend, so we're close to off of Lincoln Way, close to downtown. Um, and that's where um, I'm, you know, I've got a, you know, a lot going on there too. So one thing I would like to share um, on that is we um, we're big into trying to help with um, the uh, community uh, food pantry, and so we are. Uh, I help run the food pantry and a soup kitchen within our church. And so if there's anyone that's down uh, on their luck or they just need a little bit of help with groceries, I mean, it's not going to fill their you know, pantry, but it's going to give them a little bit of a shot in the arm. Uh, we're uh, last Monday of the month at uh, Christ Temple Apostolic. We've, we're um, open to the community 530 to 630. And then the second Monday of the month, we have what's called the Milk and Bread Ministry, where we give a loaf of bread and a gallon of milk and just a couple staple items to some of the neighbors as well. And we have a little a time of prayer and, and a little devotional with some of the neighbors. So some, some uh, milk and bread and then also a little bit of encouragement as well. And yeah, and I was going to ask you to plug any more uh, charitable causes uh, that you were involved with also. And on that side, if people want to jump in and help, what's the best way to go about that? Um, I would say they could probably just find me on Facebook. Just send okay. me an, an, you send me an instant or a you know, direct message. And then if they've got any questions, then you know I'd be ha- happy to, to share. Or they can even find our church on Facebook as well. And if they want to get plugged in, then we can plug them in and they can just send us a message on Facebook and we'll respond to that. And that's probably the best way. And the name of that church again? Uh, Christ Temple Apostolic. So South Bend CTA. Um, I believe it's South Bend CTA on, on Facebook, but South Bend Christ Temple Apostolic Church. Okay. Yep. And uh, for us, we're at South Bend Beat pretty much everywhere. Uh, southbendbeat.com. Also find us Podbean, um, iTunes, Google Play Store. Rate, subscribe. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Jonathan, thanks for coming by. This was appreciate a ton it. of fun. I think people are going to love this one. Thank you. Appreciate um, it. And we'll see you soon. All right, man. Appreciate it. Have a good one. Welcome to my city. Bring you to my city. Let's